You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. And now, here's KDD, online and social media editor of SD Times. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us for today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be discussing the adoption of zero trust security practices and the research study that Okta Inc. has just released on the topic. With us today, we have Chris Nigel, Regional CSO, Americas at Okta Inc. All right. So just to start things off, what really led Okta to pursue this research in zero trust adoption? So when we began interacting, when we had interactions with uh, with our customers back in you know, 2018, 2019, what we found was that organizations were weren't really looking right at uh, at zero trust um, uh, adoption. The, the Beyond Corp was still a uh, a um, kind of a, a buzzword, but we weren't we weren't seeing uh, adoption. And what we wanted to do was help bring visibility to uh, to the the zero trust uh, model, and that created the. Um, the state of the uh, zero trust report. We've been publishing that uh, every year since uh, since 2019, excuse me. And I think it's have really been able to contribute to bringing visibility uh, and adoption to how organizations are, are now thinking about security and how we'll be continuing to do that in the future. Right. Um, and why do you think there's been such a massive uptick in the adoption of zero trust security in the last year? So in uh, in 2021, more than one in three um, uh, cyber attacks were exploiting software vulnerabilities, and so organizations recognized that they needed to shore up their uh, their defenses. Right. Um, the shoring up those defenses really meant bringing um, the. Uh, protections to the users and to the devices, which is ultimately what zero trust. The traditional approaches of building a strong network, uh, a perimeter, uh, weren't working for the the way that employees wanted to work, uh, what they wanted to be more flexible using different technologies, using um, systems or, or working from places that best fit their productivity. And then, of course, with the COVID pandemic, we saw a very rapid shift to that need to work from home and work outside of the office. Both of these align very, very well with the goals of uh, zero trust. And so we saw that reflect directly in adoption uh, of zero trust. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense because obviously when everyone's working from different places, bolstering your security seems like the next natural step with all of that. Yeah, exactly. We have to we had to very rapidly find a way to take those security controls that we had put around our networks and move them to where people were working. They were working on personal devices. They're working on um, on uh, corporate devices, but from home networks. They're working in the cloud. They're using uh, technologies that are outside of that the traditional corporate space. Uh, and so our security models had to be adjusted in order to, to protect against those uh, the new capabilities and the new threats. And what do you think are some key benefits that adopting zero trust security can bring to an organization? So most importantly for users, when zero trust um, strategies are, are rolled out, what it means is that 
you as as an individual have access to the right information at the right time. I think we've all been in situations where we've uh, changed roles or maybe started on new projects and we didn't have access to the resources that we needed to to be productive uh, on on the first day. Maybe it took a couple of days or even a week to get access to the code base or the IDE or the development uh, or the you know the CICD and, and the build platforms because they were all owned by different groups uh, and the identity management across each of these was uh, was managed by you know by different individuals. When we look at zero trust. The core, pro- the, the, the core concept of, of zero trust with, with identity is consolidating all of that and ensuring that people have the right access. So the biggest benefit to, an, to, to our, our, our employees or our users are fast access to the information that they need and the ability to be productive from day one. Right. Um, based on your research into the topic, what do you think can be predicted about the future of zero trust adoption? So as you see in our, uh, our zero trust report, that, that mindset is, um, is, is much broader now. I, mean, I think software is an, is an excellent example. We saw um, year over year um, almost a, a 500% increase uh, in the number of organizations that have defined uh, a zero trust security initiative. Right. So we're going to see that continue to 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 uh, increase but i think the other thing that we'll see is is as that that knowledge increases we're going to see more of these zero trust concepts built into applications when i talk with uh, with customers and when i talk with the with developers one of the things that i still see is uh, or one of the questions that i'm still asked are how do i build single sign-on into my application right um we we need to to continue to educate and to get over that hump and help our developers build uh single sign-on provisioning and deprovisioning capabilities into applications from the get-go because that is what's really going to drive future adoption of uh, of those applications um, speaking of developers, do you think that with the movement to shift security left, that zero trust security has the ability to make the lives of developers easier, having to deal with security and everything else? Absolutely. The first, as we discussed, the the lives of, of developers moving into new projects um, and, you know, or, or new organizations will become much easier because you will have access to the information that you need in order to be productive uh, and, and do your jobs. Second, with the, the concepts of, of zero trust, um, it means that uh, also as, as you're you know, developing your applications, you're able to rely on uh, external services um, like you know, Okta or, or uh, uh, Auth0 for capabilities such as authentication. And that not only reduces the amount of work that you have to do as a developer, but it also reduces the the risk exposure, right? The number of areas where you may have uh, security issues that are brought back by your you know, by your security or QA teams. And if we can reduce that number, we give you the ability to focus more on the things that you want to build. Um, what advice would you give to an organization that's looking to adopt zero trust practices in the most efficient way possible? So the 
foundation of zero trust is identity. Uh, and that's not just something that, that we found in our report, uh, but it's also something that's been recognized by uh, CISA, uh, for example, the, uh, our, the, our own uh, government. So starting with concentralizing your, um, your corporate or your, your workplace identities uh, is absolutely the most efficient and, and the first place to start. When you're able to do that, you get immediate benefits, um, not just to the applications that you're, uh, uh, that you're building, but also across um, the rest of your, your productivity and, and even personal you know, applications. Second, it's expanding that to your, um, uh, to your extended ecosystem, your partners, uh, your, uh, your vendors, uh, so that, again, we're able to ma manage that third party or, or supply chain uh, risk. The most important thing is that zero trust isn't uh, something that you're just going to buy. Right. Uh, it's it's a mindset, um, and so to successfully implement it uh, and efficiently implement it, it's looking at what applications you're using, how your organization uses data, and getting that partnership between engineering, IT, and security to understand what risks you're trying to solve for, and then implementing the appropriate technology at the appropriate time. Um, what do you think is really holding back the remaining companies that haven't looked to adopt zero trust practices yet? Well, I think what's what's holding organizations back are really that understanding right. of what data that they have and, and, and what the risks are. Um, a lot of organizations either look at um, at this as needing to boil the ocean. How do I bring everything in all right. at once? Um, or they look at, uh, they, they're not looking at things from, from a risk-based perspective. So if you're an implementer and you're trying to, to help your organization move to a zero trust model, don't start with the things that the organization feels are, are the highest risk. I mean, oddly enough, many organizations feel that email is the highest risk piece of, of their organization and so they're, they're very hesitant to move that to the cloud right. even though it's probably the most used cloud application but start with something like um uh your um uh, your uh, benefit system or maybe some internal communications uh things that the organization feels are lower risk right and then once the once everybody sees the benefit, right? The fact that you can get into an application with a single click, maybe with a passwordless approach. So you're never even typing a password. It's just tapping a, a, a biometric or um, authorizing it from your uh, from your mobile device. The the rest of the organization will be clamoring to get off board. Um, were there any results of the survey that kind of surprised you, or went in a direction that you weren't really expecting to see it go? So I think. The, uh, the the biggest surprise, you know, for me was that um, that huge jump in the software uh, uh, in the software industry vertical. Um, software has always uh, in, in our reports kind of lagged um, behind the industries, but to see that huge jump um, to to being uh, on par uh, with other industries shows a a, a really good. Um, move in the right direction. The other surprise to me was with uh, 
with healthcare. Um, we also saw a very significant jump in um, in zero trust adoption inside of the uh, the healthcare industry, uh, in particular around um, deploying single sign-on capabilities, and that also shows movement in the right direction, especially given the types of threats that our our healthcare uh, uh, providers are seeing due to uh, to ransomware and other cyber attacks. Definitely. All right, well, those are all the specific questions that I had for you, unless you wanted to expand on anything else or touch on anything else. Um, no, I want to thank you very much you know, for, uh, for your time. It's uh, been uh, an exciting opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, thank you as well. I really appreciate your time. All right, well, it looks like that's all the time that we have for today's show. Thanks again, Chris, for joining me. And as always, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. And until next time, this has been What the Dev. 